It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. No in-season tourney this week for the Wolves, but don't fret. They still may be the hottest team in the NBA. We'll talk about all that and plenty more in today's Minnesota basketball party. This is Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Timberwolves talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Basketball Party on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? What's up? Back in the lab, back at it. It's Tuesday. That means we got another week's worth of Wolves talk to dish up and dish out right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. Wolves enjoying a nice little three-day stretch right now of rest after that 8-2 and two run. 13-2 and two in November, the greatest month in Minnesota sports history. So, yeah, there's no Vegas tourney this year, but despite that... They may still be the hottest team in the NBA right now. We'll discuss that and plenty more, including Coach Finch winning Coach of the Month honors. What's been his secret sauce this year? Plus, we're going to update our Wolves yearly win total projections. And then finally, we're going to hand out some awards now that we've hit the quarter mark of the season, including the Wolves' best win of the year, greatest highlight play, and top bench performer. We'll do all that and plenty more, and we'll meet our panel of Wolves experts here in a moment. But first, quick reminder, this episode is brought to us by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Okay, Ben, let's do this. Kick us off with today's opening tip. Yeah, I'm Ben Beacon, host of the daily Lockdown Wolves podcast on the Lockdown Sports Network. And uh, we're going to talk here in a minute about how Chris Finch, he did win coach of the month for October and November. Uh, I mean, it's easy to make the case. He's been the best coach in the NBA this season and yet is not getting talked about nationally. We'll break down why he's been or what he's done so well here next. I'm Reggie Wilson from Care 11. And, you know, the Wolves may not be going to the Super Bowl of basketball next week, but, but. <laughs> I do think that they have the pieces to finally propel them out of the first round of the playoffs this year. But I know it's early. It's early. (laughs) I'm Ron Johnson, former Gophers and uh, NFL wide receiver, uh, host of the Ron Johnson Show. And I'm going to talk about, I mean, we're talking about a lot with this team, low management. Should they resist the low management? Like they've been, Anthony Edwards has said, I'm just going to play. I'm not that guy. But who knew? Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert could be a duo? We'll talk about that, too. And who's the hottest team in the NBA, you ask? Well, I've got the latest power rankings from TheAthletic.com to help us break it all down. That's all coming up on today's basketball party, which you can always find right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel, as well as the 24-7 YouTube live stream. You get all the audio on the Lockdown Wolves audio feed wherever you get your podcasts. So many ways to watch and listen. Amazon Fire, Roku, SiriusXM. This is your one-stop shop for everything Minnesota sports. All right, fellas, let's get into it. Big story since we last spoke. Chris Finch and the Magic coach, Jamal Mosley, they win Coach of the Month honors for November. Finch has now won the award in back-to-back months. First Wolves coach, by the way, to win the award since Kevin McHale did it back in 2009. Wolves, of course, they got the best record in the West, currently up two games on OKC. Uh, Chris Finch has helped the Wolves reach the number one rated defense, allowing 106 points per 100 possessions, and he's got the league's fourth best net rating at plus 6.5. Guys, in the last 30 years, the Wolves have been in sole possession in the West 
for a combined 10 days. 30 years, 10 days. Well, Finch's Ball Club right now, they've been atop the West for the past 17 days in a row, and it's only December 6th. So let's start with you here, Ben. What's been the catalyst to Chris Finch's success? Like, what's he doing right now that no other coach has been able to do for this team in the last decade plus, in your opinion? Yeah, it sounds really cliche, but it, it really is just being himself. And by that, I mean, even keeled steady, like throughout last season, you know, this will, the Wolves team last year, they were good enough, right? They got into the play and they made the playoffs. Both of his first two full seasons, they made the playoffs and there were plenty of knocks on Chris Finch. Like year one, like the, the Memphis playoffs series a couple years ago, terrible timeout management, you know, some in-game issues, rotation problems. Last year, it was the third quarter problems you know worst point differential in the league in the third quarter i believe and uh you know lost leads late in games losing the games to the bottom four bottom six teams in the league all that stuff has gone away and actually this season the wolves have the second best third quarter point differential of any team in the entire league um and that was actually noted in the athletic power rankings we'll talk about later mm. the second best third quarter net rating so all those quote-unquote halftime adjustments that everyone wanted to say that he wasn't making last year clearly he's making them and or reacting to the opponent's halftime adjustments because the Wolves also have a really good second quarter differential. So I think he's just been himself, not too high, not too low. Um, you know, through all those trials and tribulations last year of the Wolves losing to terrible teams, he was the same guy. And I remember looking at it thinking like, man, you know, everybody that's covering this team is pulling their hair out thinking like another collapse, another loss to a bad team. And he's the same guy day in and day out. And this roster, you know, it's largely, it's really similar to what it, la to what it was last year. The you know top rotation guys are all the same that finished with the team last year. And there's now this level of familiarity with Chris Finch and what he does on a day-to-day -day basis. And the players clearly um, you know, trust him and they appreciate his even-keeled approach. And he lets the players be themselves on the floor. And he's clearly just him, himself off the floor. Um, and then some of the other like X's and O's stuff has certainly continued to improve. I think the rotation has gotten better. You know, guys know their roles and, and he seems to push the right buttons, pull the right levers. But I think the biggest thing is just his demeanor. And, you know, now that the the cash that he's cachet that he's built up with this team, if you will, um, you know, over the past couple of seasons. Yeah. Reg, what's he finally done to put all these puzzle pieces together, so to speak? What's been the big difference from what you've seen this year? You know, uh, I'm going to show a little bit of love to Tim Connolly here mm. for really just staying the course. You know, there were so many things that could have been done after last season to just kind of blow this thing up. Like, oh, man, like, you know, you, you trade Rudy away for for parts, you know, not not really good parts because of the season that he had. You know, you try to try to get some money off the books. You Maybe you, you, you know, maybe Chris Finch is the, the coach before the coach that that does well um, and, and gets the team over the hump. But I think what was nice about what Connolly did was just kind of stay the course. And it seems like it's working in his favor. It seems to be that he was smart to do that. Rudy is playing out of his mind and, and Finch is just pulling all the right strings right now. You you kind of look at some of the rotations that he's having out there just to kind of echo what, what Ben was saying. Like he just seems to just be an even kill guy. Like no matter what's going on, he's going to be the same guy and I think that stability is really helpful for a team like this because now they're comfortable with him. They know that he's not going to get too high, too low. You know, he talked about it, uh, I believe it was Monday, about how he's like, look, man, I know we're we're doing well, but I'm still going to coach the guys hard. I'm still going to, you know, tell them the things that they're doing wrong because I want to get the best out of them. And he is getting the best out of them this season. And so 
I just think with him doing the things that he's doing, this this Wolves team is is surging how they should. And I, I think it's 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 a, a really big confidence boost to probably a lot of fans watching that. This team is a, is a little bit different. I've I've seen that so many times. It's so early in the season still, but a lot of people are like, man, this Wolves team is different. This Wolves team is different. You know, they're they're not collapsing in the third quarter again, like Ben was saying, and they are you know, beating some of the teams that normally they would have lost to. And I think Finch kind of steering the ship is a big part of that. Yeah, well said. Ron, closing thoughts on Chris Finch and kind of what's the secret sauce he's cooking with right now? What do you think? I'm just looking at the last three games. If you look at the last three games, starting with the Oklahoma Thunder, um, Oklahoma City Thunder, that that's the big change. I think when you think about Anthony Edwards going down, everybody was like, oh, woe is me. We can't have anything nice. Uh, here comes the other shoe. Everybody's been waiting for the other shoe to drop. You look at that game. <clears throat> Rudy Gobert stepped up in his absence. He became the second leading scorer. Uh, and then you fast forward to the next game against the Jazz. Again, Nikhil uh, Alexander-Walker. He became the guy to go with Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns took on a bigger role and said, you know what? I can dominate. I can dominate without whining, without crying. I'm not saying Chris Finch is the reason for that, but maybe. Maybe he's gotten to him a little bit and said, hey, Calm down. Like you're, you're good. You're better than you think you are. And then you look at the uh, the the Charlotte Hornets game. Again, Rudy Gobert with 26, Carl Anthony Towns with 28, and that's when I say like they can be a duo. When you can, when 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 Carl Anthony Towns realizes, okay, Anthony Edwards is out. I got to be the guy. I think Chris Finch has unlocked something in this team within this offense for another guy. When you look at uh, in that one, it was Mike Conley Jr. with 14, and then Nas Reed with 23. He's finding other guys to plug in and say, hey. The scheme works. The offense works. The ball movement works. We got two bigs. We're going to use them. Here's how we're going to do it. I don't know what, what he's telling them, but it's working. And the fact that they're doing this now, maintaining number one, uh, still dominating games without Anthony Edwards, that's got to be a huge confident boost, not just for him, but for this team to say, well, we know we have a guy in Anthony Edwards, one of the best players in the NBA right now, but when he's out, we can still turn around and win. And I think that's the other key. When he comes back now, the key is going to be to make sure that they still jail. And I don't think there will be an issue. I think the other guys will, you know, Nas Reed and the kill Alexander Walker, they'll fall back, you know, in Troy Brown, they'll fall back into what their role is. But the fact that they can get crucial points and minutes out of these guys while he's out, I think that's, that's a huge confidence boost to this team because that was like, think about how many teams suck without their guy. When you think about Memphis, right. Or uh, uh, yeah, the Grizzlies right now without John Morant, they're terrible. Uh, you look at when Steph Curry got hurt with the Warriors. Like, there are some teams that absolutely shut down and they're terrible when their guy goes out. But this team is finding a way to continue to win. And I think that's what we always wanted. And again, it took time. I'm not going to give uh, – we, we know Cat went on that podcast last year and said, you know, the Nuggets had four to five years to work together to, to get where they are. And he's like, we only have four to five months. <clears throat> they got a little bit more time. So maybe the proof is in the pudding and he's actually putting in the work to work with Rudy Gobert, figure out how they work together, and they're finding ways to dominate games. And, and I think Rudy Gobert really stepping up right now with dominating the rebounds. Last year, it felt like there were games, you're like, how is he losing these rebounds? And now he's actually dominating the boards as well. And that's the key. When you can limit their offensive possessions to only one, when you can get second chance points, that makes it huge. And then also when he's efficient, dunking the ball, making the, 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 the easy pick and play or, or the pop and dunk, like when he's efficient, He's one of the best around, and that's that's the reason why the Timberwolves 
traded for him was what we're, they're seeing now. Last year, ah, we don't know what that was. Yeah, well said. You know, since they fired Flip back in the 04-05 season, if you guys remember that, this team has, has been basically an absolute revolving door at head coach. Ten different coaches in 15 years. They had McHale twice. Flip came back for that second stint in 2015 before he got sick. So I don't have the stats in front of me, but that's got to be top three in the league, if not number one, as far as most coaches go in that time span. And, and when you got that kind of turnover at that kind of rate, it's just really tough to ever find a, a real identity as a franchise. So it's year three of Finch now, and I know it's early, and you guys kind of touched on this, but has he done enough already to make you think he could be in Minnesota for a long time to come? Or does that still depend on how things shake out and, and what they do with this hot start I guess do we feel like the Wolves finally found some stability right long term at head coach from everything you've seen or is it still it's just a year-by-year process in this league anyone can answer that and jump in yeah I, I mean um I, I think the answer to both your questions is yes like but mm -hmm. like realistically he should have gotten himself a ton of leash the fact that he's made the playoffs you know in his first two seasons and certainly well on his way in in year three um like he should have a lot of leash, but then we also saw like Nick nurse, won a championship one coach of the year. And like three years later, like obviously things went downhill and, and lots of roster turnover because it's the NBA. So in terms of what that long and even flip, right? Like flip, this was on the heels of Western conference finals for flip mm -hmm. the first time around. So, um, I think, yeah, he certainly bought himself like at the start of the season. He was you looked at all the odds on FanDuel for first coach fired like that sort of a thing. He was in the top five in terms of favorites to to be fired because the, the conventional wisdom was, hey, this team wasn't as good as they should have been last year. So if they get off to a bad start, he's gone. And now it's, you know, like they would have to go on an epic collapse the rest of the season for that to be the case. So he certainly bought himself at least a couple of seasons, but we all know that that could change very quickly. And, and, you know, you look at some of the longest tenured coaches, what like Spolstra Popovich, um, that's kind of it. Like even the guys who have been successful and gotten deep into like guys who have recently won championships, gone to the finals, Monty Williams, um, uh, uh, Vogel, Frank Vogel, like all these guys that are just changing jobs um, consistently. So yeah, I mean, to answer your question, he's got certainly the next couple of years, but who knows beyond that? All right, moving on here. I remember listening to this show, Sam Ekstrom running the ship there before the season kicked off. Everyone was talking about the gauntlet of the schedule over those first 10, 15 games. Well, they not only survived the gauntlet, but they've thrived 15 and four. Now, okay, I get it. No tourney, but with the no tourney, they kind of get lucky. They pulled the Spurs and Grizzlies this week in the interim. Sports Illustrated just came out with the remaining strengths of schedules. And of the 30 teams in the NBA, guys, 28 of them have harder schedules the rest of the way than your Minnesota Wolves. So fans might be drooling knowing this team may not just put up a 50-win season here for just the fifth time in franchise history, by the way, but 60 wins potentially on the table right now? How crazy is that to even say out loud? I want to hear your guys' new updated win projections because I know you guys did this on the final show before the season started. So if you remember what your original prediction was. Let us hear that and then give us your updated win projection total, knowing what you know about this easy run the rest of the way. Ron, let's start with you. I don't remember what I said. Um, <laughs> I'm guessing I must have said in the 48-inch 50 range because um, I was just looking at last year where they finished and then this year if they just, you know, I think I said if they can get a couple more wins, like 48. Um, honestly, right now they're looking like they can get to 55 to 58 wins. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the, the win percentage right now, I think they said if they were to finish 500, the rest of the way with this schedule, um, they would still win 
50 plus games. If they were to go like 650, they would win 58 games. And then they'd have to go like 770, whatever, to to finish at like, uh, what is that, 60 and and 12 uh, to stay on the clip that they're on. The only thing I think about this with this team and for them to have the easiest deal, they're taking where the teams are now. They're not taking where they are at the beginning of the season. Everybody thought the the Grizzlies would be better than they are. Um, Clearly losing John Morant is huge for them. And then also Dylan Brooks. Now they don't have that bully, that Draymond Green type of guy that's going to get out there. Uh, You look at the Rockets, they're terrible. You look at the Warriors, they're struggling. Uh, for Draymond Green to blame it on Jordan Poole, it's also his fault too, uh, why their culture has just completely changed and the team has kind of lost the luster of what they used to be. So the fact And the Spurs with Wimby were supposed to be better than they are. They're one of the worst teams. So the fact that the, the, the teams are not doing well that they originally thought would be doing well, that's not their fault. Like the Suns, uh, they're down there in the seventh seed. That's nothing to do with the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves are just playing the people they put in front of them. So to try to, I get the whole like easiest schedule crap because football does the same thing. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, if you were to re- reverse this and go back to the beginning, I don't think people were saying that. Like now it's just because the teams that they have left looking at what they're doing, they're not as good. So, but I think they can win uh, for sure. I think they can get to 55 wins. Yeah. Reggie. Yeah, I, I don't remember what I said either. I, I do think I, I was in the 40s, like Ron said, um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I think um, I think I, I'll give them 50 to 52 just because like the season is long, man. And sometimes, you know, a slide happens here or there. And I do think that the Wolves have shown that they have the the toughness to to withstand maybe a, a slide here or there and and really you know kind of pick things back up and keep it moving but I do think that the Wolves are are showing that they are one of the best teams in the league and I think that continues throughout the the rest of the season and I think what gives me a little bit more confidence in that is the fact that they haven't had all their guys for mm-hmm. very long periods of time right. you know Ann is out now you know they they've lost Jaden you know, J-Mac has been out and they just continue to keep doing what they have to do to, to win. Like the rotations have been good and guys have been stepping up on a given night. Ron talked about how Rudy stepped up. He had 26 and 12 against the Hornets. And you're like, OK, you know, and then Cat's stepping up and doing what he has to do. And so it seems like, you know, even, even when Cat got in foul trouble in the last game, Nas comes in off the bench and he's earning his money. And so it just seems like they always have somebody who is able to step up on a given night. Now, you don't want that to be the case all the time, but they do have the the pieces there to to keep sustaining these wins. And so, yeah, I, I, I still put them in the 50s. Ben, close us out. Initial prediction, if you remember it, and then yeah. new updated prediction with the uh, the easy slate coming up. Yeah, I had I had him at 49 wins before the season. If I remember right, Jack had him at 51 or 52 on this show. I was going to say, so somebody he, was in the 50s. Maybe yeah, it was he, Jack. You're right. I think he was a little over 50. I was right. I couldn't quite do it. I was at 49. Um, and I am I think they're going to win 56, 57 games now. I'll, I'll say 57, to to, and I'll, I'll try to remember that number when we revisit this. Um, I, I mean, they've still got a few schedule losses in there. Like, they actually, they've only had one back-to-back so far, which... I don't think they factored rest into the analysis of moving forward. And Ron mentioned this earlier, like if they go 500 the rest of the year, they'll win 46 games, which was what they did two years ago when they were the sixth seed. And that probably gets you better than a sixth seed with how rough and tumble the West is right now. 
um, and, and given where it finished last year. So, yeah, I mean, I think they win 56 games. They have upcoming in January. They have, uh, well, actually, their next back-to-back right before Christmas is the Lakers on the second night. They have Boston on the second night of a back-to-back on the road. They have um, Denver on the second night of a back-to-back later in the season. So, like, there's some schedule losses in there, and then I figure they're probably not going to play at a, you know, 75 or 750 win clip the rest of the way. So, you know, they're on pace to win over 60 games. I'm optimistic because of some of the things that Reggie just said about injuries and guys missing games so far and them playing as well as they have against a decently tough schedule. Um, I'm pretty optimistic they'll be closer to the clip that they're winning at now, just factoring in, you know, uh, some of that other stuff, uh, you know, rest and rest uh, disadvantages throughout the season from this point forward. So I'm going to say 57, but um, I I think that's entirely attainable for this team. Yeah, well said. And I know everyone's sick of anything to do with last year whenever it gets brought up, but they won 42 games last year with no cap for the majority of the year, and they also blew 18 double-digit leads. So if they win the 18 games they had a 10-point lead or more in, there's your 60 wins right there. Here's the toughest games left, by the way. The Nuggets, three against OKC, two against the Bucks two against Orlando, who's been red hot, and then one more left between the Celtics and the Sixers as well. But besides that, this thing's as easy as it gets. And plus, they've already beat four of those six tough teams already this year. So just mentally, I mean, you know it's more than doable to potentially go 500 or better in those 10 games, again, versus their toughest opponents remaining. I'll go 57 as well there, Ben. That's my prediction. I think I had them at 46. So a huge leap from what I initially expected as well. All right, coming up, we're going to talk the latest on Ant and Jaden. But first, a quick word from our sponsors over at eBay Motors. Guys, our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Lockdown Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each and every week, and he's doing it all season long. Whether you're prepping for your daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week they've got a list of players that are guaranteed to fit your rosters. Josh and eBay Motors are here to help you find the players that fit your lineup each and every week with eBay's guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week. Keontae George is your fantasy pick of the week tonight, going over his projected 19 and a half points, assists, and rebounds versus the Mavs. He's coming off a season high versus Portland and has gone over his projections in four of the last six games. Mark Keontae George down for another big game tonight, thanks to Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball, who's going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors, who knows. Every championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Well, same goes for your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly and they got everything you need. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. 
All right, fellas, back to the action. I want everyone's two cents on the Wolves' load management situation thus far because it's something in general I think they've been a little bit more resistant to than maybe what we would have expected, just my opinion anyways. But uh, are we going to get more of the same with the big guns? Ant, Jaden McDaniels coming back. When they're cleared to come back, they get the green light. Ben, what should we expect on that front in your eyes? Yeah, I think... Uh, Chris Finch has always kind of kept a shorter rotation. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think he's going to err on that side. But, you know, as I mentioned last segment, the schedule in terms of rest, they're going to have upcoming, you know, they've had a few days off now. It's been nice, but they're going to have more back to backs. And now that we know Ant's banged up and something like a hit pointer, it feels like something that, you know, this uh, this is me talking. The team didn't say this, but it feels like something that could linger if he, keep, you know, he takes a lot of contact. So I'm hoping they err on the side of load management and also one of the other benefits of the last couple of weeks is there should be more confidence now in the Nikhil Alexander walkers and the Troy Brown juniors. And, you know, uh, even Dacian Nix played fine last week when he was pressed into duty as a, as a lead ball handler. Like if Finch gets more confidence in some of this depth, this is, this is legitimately a deep roster. I mean, Troy Brown isn't, in the regular rotation when they're fully healthy. And he started 40 some games last year for the Lakers who went to the second round of the playoffs. So like, this is uh this is a really deep roster and I'm hoping Finch leans on that a little bit. Um, and, you know, knowing that later in the season, some of these big games, if they're playing for seeding and then obviously into the playoffs, you can shorten that rotation back to eight guys. Uh, but why not take advantage of, of having, you know, being able to go 10, 11 Jordan McLaughlin too. He's like your 11th or 12th guy. And he's a pretty good backup point guard. So, just given the depth that they have and the and the difficulty in terms of back to backs upcoming once we flip the calendar to January, I'm hoping they you know get a little bit more into being open to some load, not necessarily like fully resting guys like that type of load management, especially with the restrictions on that this year, but also uh, but just in general trimming those minutes back from 38 for Anton in a game to you know 34 or whatever that might be. Well, there's a true load management where they just don't dress. They don't play. I think it could be a pitch count. So if if they were to go, because Ant, we know, wants to play. But with a hip pointer, it's about soreness and how much pain he could he could deal with. Like, it's it's literally once the, the doctors say, hey, you can't do any worse to it now because whatever, the bruise is kind of healed a little bit. But it's, it's a deep, depends on how deep the bruise is, where it's at. Uh, if it's a true hip pointer and it's not too deep. He'll, you know, it'll eventually start to wear off, but it's one of those things that it's going to happen all season when he gets bumped. If he falls, uh, that floor is extremely hard. Um, so there's, you know, there's going to be padding or something he might try to put on it, but I could see them also doing like a pitch count. So, or minutes restriction. If he comes in, he starts the game off, then maybe, you know, eight minutes into it, they get him out or seven minutes into it, they get him out. So, Hey, you're going to do seven minute stretches. You're going to come in, you're going to come out. We're not going to give you the whole quarter like we're used to where you're playing, you know, 38, 36 minutes. We're going to kind of limit you down to about 20, you know, ish minutes, depending if they have the lead and the other guys are playing well, just leave them out. Cause that's the key thing. It's not about winning December. It's not about winning January. It's about winning when it matters. And that's the championship. And so for Chris Finch, he has to kind of save. Sometimes you got to save players from themselves. And I think that's what he's going to do with these guys is just, Hey, let's see where you're at. Let's see how many minutes you can get without feeling too much soreness. Uh, the other issue is they have to be honest, though. Like if they go in, oh, coach, I'm fine. It doesn't hurt. And knowing it's it's kind of getting aggravated, that's what makes it worse because then you go to sleep that night. It might feel fine during the game when you're adrenaline, but then you go to sleep that night, you wake up that morning, you can't even walk. And that's what you don't want to happen. You want to wake up every day and feel like, okay, I can get a practice in a day or I can get a workout in a day. And so you're going to gradually work yourself back in from that injury. Uh, I, I would say go that route. But again, 
these are grown men that have to kind of say, I can, I, you know, I'm fine. Uh, at the same time, it's basketball. It's not football. No, footballs are usually a little bit more like, hey, you know, you're taking big hits. You don't want to be in there. Basketball, you can kind of control how much you do, whether it's, you're not driving as much. And that's the other thing, too. You don't want Anthony Edwards out there not playing his game, driving to the lane, creating contact, because if he's worried about that injury, then you're not going to get the Anthony Edwards you should be getting. And then you can start to slide and, and start to see some some doubt creep in. Yeah, well said, Ron. An ant officially questionable tonight versus the Spurs. And the quote was, he should almost be ready. So we'll see how that goes as the day goes on. Jaden, on the other hand, still feels like a few more games, I guess. But just given the way they've been winning, combined with the teams that they're still playing, and, and I know you can't chalk up any game as an easy win, but I'd expect them as well to baby these guys at least more than what we've seen, knowing full well. They want these guys healthy and fresh for the long haul come March, April, and beyond in the grand scheme of things, in the big picture. And Ben, real quick, you mentioned the great depth they got. We really haven't seen anything from Shake Milton yet either, or maybe what some fans were expecting. Are you still holding out some hope for him? Because I know he was kind of a guy for the Sixers last year as well. Yeah, I mean, he he was a, a rotation guy for the Sixers have been really good for a really long time, and he he was there like five years. So yeah. um, he's shooting a career low from three-point range. Like, I think it's perfectly reasonable to expect him at some point to to come to the party. And we've seen flashes here lately of of like solid rotation play from him, which, you know, we're talking about a guy that he shot 38% from three last year for the Sixers. Um, you know, he, he was a key cog in what they were doing, and he's shooting career lows from everywhere, like from the, from the floor, from three-point range. You know, he's never been a great defender, but he's been worse than I think anybody was expecting. So I, I think at some point the, the hope was he'd be that sixth man that that what basically what Jalen Noel was supposed to be last year, but struggled, you know, to to actually do. Um, he hasn't given them that punch off the bench. Thankfully, Nas Reed has filled in a lot of that. And and also when Alexander Walker was coming off the bench prior to the McDaniels injury, he scored a little bit more than I think anyone was expecting too. So they've been able to kind of paper over that. But I mean, that's that's a good point. Like Given you know the McDaniel's injury, the Ant injury, um, this team's been a little bit shorthanded. So, like, given that Shake hasn't come to the party and they've had injuries, eventually Shake Milton is going to is going to start playing better. I think I think it's fair to assume that, and that's just another thing that um, could help boost this team if they go through you know uh, the dog days of January and February and, and need an offensive jolt. Shake Milton probably will at some point you know be able to to provide something in that regard. Um, all right, I know they're not in Vegas. That's a bummer. Would have been fun to see him down the tourney. I get that. But according to the Athletics' recent power rankings, your Minnesota Timberwolves are now the number one team in the NBA. You heard that right. Don't adjust your devices. They were third last week. They passed the Bucks and the Celtics. Boston now two, Denver three, Bucks four, Suns five. And what I love about this ranking the most is how they break down each team's success in each quarter. Uh, ben, I know you kind of touched on this. It shows just how good this Wolves team has been in quarters two and three specifically. My favorite line in here, they crush you to close out the first half and pour cold water on whatever halftime adjustments you think you made. They also rank fourth in NBA in clutch performance with a plus 23.1 net rating. They shout out Ant and Catton here specifically for that, being efficient in the clutch moments this year as well as the defense down the stretch in those closing minutes. Ron, you're the big Marvel guy. What alternate reality are we living in right now where our Minnesota Timberwolves are number one in the NBA power rankings. Give me your big takeaways from this and, and, and kind of the love we're starting to see from the national media now as well. Yeah, and so when you look at the power rankings, there's also an article that was uh, released like nine hours ago by the NBA themselves, mm. and they did their own power rankings. Okay. And uh, nothing against the athletic, 
but I'm going to go with the NBA. The NBA right now has the Celtics as one, and then they have the Timberwolves as two. Now, okay. you can flip-flop, however, because what does the Athletic have it flipped? Do they have Timberwolves and then Celtics? Correct. Yep. 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 One and two. So bang, bang. you yep. can kind of flip it, and then they have Denver Nuggets three, they have Oklahoma City Thunder four, and they have Philadelphia 76ers five. However you want to slice it, it doesn't matter in my opinion, the overall power rankings, because it you, you have to play the best team in the East at the end anyway, if you can make it that far. Mm-hmm. But to be the number one team in the West, which both agree with, the Athletic and the NBA, that alone to me uh, is just huge when you think about from star power. You think about the Suns with Kevin Durant and uh, Devin Booker. You think about the Lakers with LeBron and AD. Uh, you, you think about the Nuggets, who are previous champions, um, and the Timberwolves have garnered the – the, the, the views, like you said, from the national media, NBA.com, which is the entire NBA, you know, whatever writers, they all see it where the Timberwolves are the best team in the West. Now, they put the Boston Celtics number one, I think, and this is why, I think, and, and I think we've hit on this earlier, the East is a little bit stronger right now with the 76ers uh, than the West is, it seems like. Like, I don't think people truly have bought into the Timberwolves. They're just giving them one because they have the best record in the West, I think. But when you look at, like, the 76ers in the East, uh, you, you look at the other teams in the East, I think that's what people are looking at. But you got the Celtics, Bucks, Magic, 76ers, Knicks. And, you know, you got the Celtics at 15 and five. You got the Bucks at 15 and six. You got the Magic at 14 and six. You got the 76ers at 12 and seven. And so I think they're just saying that the teams that Celtics have played have been a little bit stronger than the Timberwolves. I think the Timberwolves, honestly, are going to have to continue to run the table and stay at this 650 win percentage or 700 win percentage for people to completely put them in number one overall. But honestly, it doesn't matter. You win the West, you have a chance to be the best in the world. And I think that's all that matters to me. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Ben, if I would have told you before the season started, the Wolves would be number one in the power rankings a quarter of the way in, you would have said what? I mean, what's your big takeaway here? Uh there's no way. I mean, I mean, honestly, like I, I thought the Wolves would be good and probably I better than I think most people thought the Wolves would be. I mean, thinking they'd win 49 games, I thought they'd have a shot at the four seed. And now, like, I mean, obviously, there's there's so much to be played, uh, you know, schedule wise. But um, like it'd be a massive disappointment if they weren't a top four seed in the Western Conference. Like, I think that's kind of recalibrated our expectations from like it'd be great if they got home court advantage too they better get home court advantage based on now the head start they've gotten uh but you also look at how close the west is you know they're only three and a half games ahead of the four seed currently so like it's there's still a little bit of a bunch there at the top i think it, like you could certainly make the argument for them being one two or three in the entire nba i mean they're third in point differential um you know which which is a pretty good indicator of of uh removes a little bit of luck from the equation to this point and also indicator of future performance. OKC and Boston are the two that have better point differentials. Well, the Wolves have beaten both of those teams, mostly full strength OKC and Boston. Boston, I think, had one starter missing. OKC was fully healthy when they played. Um, And of course, they beat Denver as well. And so, like, you could argue those four in any sort of order, but given the fact that they actually have the best win percentage in the entire league right now, it's better than Boston after Boston lost the other night, uh, Monday night, I think it was. Minnesota is the best winning percentage, the third best point differential. I think you'd be hard pressed to not say they're one of the best two teams in the entire NBA. And, and also they played a top five most difficult schedule so far this season based on current opponent records. They have had some rest advantage games. We talked about how that gets tougher, but 
given the really the gauntlet of games that they've gone through to this point, it's really, really impressive. Absolutely. When you think about the strength of schedule, the teams they've beaten, you're absolutely right. And whether it's the athletic rankings or the NBA.com ones that Ron mentioned, anything else around the league right now, when you look at this entire list, that kind of jumps out either one of you. Um, I think it's interesting that, um, that they've got that that uh, the athletic has the like a, a second like basically the way they've broken about I think is interesting like the contenders which I guess just means title sure. contenders the tiers yeah. yeah and then brink of contention is only the Suns and Thunder the mm-hmm. Suns you know Ron mentioned earlier they've been disappointing record wise but we also haven't seen their big three all play together and so giving them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt and how good they've looked you know since Durant and and um uh, Durant and Booker have played some together now that I thought was interesting. And then also that massive tier of just playoff teams, because like the Kings, you'd think they'd be a little higher than 11, given how they played since Deer and Fox came back. The Sixers, I mean, and Beads missed some games. I thought they'd be a little bit higher. So um, a, not massive surprises, but I think giving some benefit of the doubt to a team like the Suns and maybe not a team like, you know, the Kings or the Sixers was was interesting. Yeah, the Suns rank fifth, as you mentioned, in that tier two here on the athletic. The Suns on NBA.com, trying to pull them up here. Ten. Yeah, and they're wow, ten. Right. Okay. And they're seventh in um in terms of like just in the Western Conference standings currently. And and like the Kings, I, I mean, you know, again, point differential, the Kings have a negative one, but like Darren Fox nice. missed a significant amount of time. They've been really good since he came back. Um, so I, I don't know. I think I think the Suns are still getting some of that offseason benefit of the doubt, just assuming that like, hey, if Durant and Booker are legit two of the best 10, 12 players in the league, eventually they're going to figure this thing out and, and be really dominant. And, and I think that's certainly on the table. Yeah. And obviously this stuff is super fluid, can change just after a night or two. But nonetheless, man, it's fun to go over it. And just it's an exciting time to be a Wolves fan right now with the schedule coming up. Like we talked about, they may be here to stay for the foreseeable future. Comment below if you had the Wolves being ranked number one in the power rankings on your in-season bingo cards. All right. One more fun one to end the show. We're going to hand out some quarter of the season awards coming up. But first, a quick word from game time. Quick reminder, this episode is brought to you by Game Time because you should never have to worry when buying tickets to any big event. That's why Game Time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets to any local event, concerts, comedy shows, sporting events, even Broadway theater, and with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Personally, for me, I love that view from the seat feature they offer so I can get a real look, an accurate visual on where my seats are going to be so I know exactly what to expect before spending all that money. And with their all-in prices, GameTime shows you exactly how much you're spending with no hidden fees. It's time to take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app and see for yourself just how easy it is. Create an account. Use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Again, just create any new account and redeem your code locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Game Time, terms apply. All right, boys, we're officially a quarter of the way through the season. Pinch me. That can't be real. December 6th already. I've got four awards to hand out here, and I want everyone's vote. Category number one the Wolves' best win of the year so far best win of the year ron let's start with you Uh, i gotta go with the nuggets i mean you beat the champions and so now that gives you just an added benefit of feeling like you're one of the best so i'm going with the nuggets yeah ben yeah there's a lot of 
potential nominees here. The Nuggets are on my list. The Boston OT win was good, especially given how poor how poorly Cat played in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the OKC win was impressive, given how good they are this year. I'm actually going to go with the Knicks game because that came after a five-game road trip, and historically, the Wolves don't perform well after long road trips, and they beat the Knicks by 17. The Knicks are 12-8. and eight. They're really good in the Eastern Conference, but any of those four, I think, would would uh, could win that award. I'll say the yeah. honorable mention one, too, I was going to say was the back-to-back Warriors wins. Yeah, uh, they beat them regular. That's a good point. In season tournament, because that gives you an inclination into if they had to play the Warriors in the playoffs, they could knock them out in four games. So just. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, boy, a bevy of options to choose from. Who are we this year? Give me the Celtics one that you mentioned, Ben. Overtime thriller in front of the home crowd. Hey, Target Center fans needed a game like that. They deserved it maybe more than any other home crowd in the league after what they've been through the last two decades. And it really kind of for me, anyways, felt like that huge aha moment where it's like, okay, all right, maybe we can beat the best of the best. Maybe we are that good. And I know they just beat the Nuggets two games prior that you mentioned, Ron, but it just kind of felt like, I don't know, at the time, early in the season, Nuggets, for whatever reason, just weren't playing their best basketball yet. Maybe a little championship hangover going on four or five games into the year, but just the dramatics of the OT thriller. Ant scoring 38, eight of their last 13 in OT, all the drama, the back and forth. That Boston game, man, was just so fun to watch. Give me the Celtics. All right, next one up. Top bench performer a quarter of the way through the season. Ben, who you got? I have Nas Reed. I, I think, you know, Kyle Anderson was kind of the de facto sixth man, ended up starting a lot actually last year because of the Towns injury. Anderson hasn't quite been what he was last year. Alexander Walker wasn't super consistent off the bench. He's playing better now as part of the lineup. I think Nas Reed's been pretty consistent this year and is, especially lately, really giving the Wolves exactly what they need. Ron? I'm going with uh, Nah, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, just because of that. Like, lately, like early on, you're right. Like, he wasn't – I like I, I, we mentioned at the beginning of the year, I had a chance to meet him with Tim uh, Tim Conley this this summer, and I was – or this fall, sorry. And I was like, man, this kid has a good head on his shoulder. He talked about how he wants to be on this team. He wants to find his role. Tim Conley talked about it, find a role for this kid because he's a defender. He can score. Uh, he's long. And now you're starting to see it as he's getting – you know, he's got eight starts now. He's getting worked into this lineup. Uh, I think he's one of the better performers off the bench now as of late. The fact that there's even a healthy debate here, I think, speaks volumes what some other guys have done heading into the year. Heading into the year, would the odds-on favorite for this award be Nas Reed? I mean, was there such a big drop-off after Nas compared to the expectations of the rest of the bench? That's yeah, probably he probably would have been the, the odds on favorite. I, I think okay. just because because the contract really, I mean, like you don't give right. your third center that big of a deal unless you're going to give him minutes. And that's by the way, we I mean, this is maybe a topic. We'll see how things play out the next few games. But Finch tried that three center lineup against Charlotte on Saturday for like four minutes in the fourth quarter when the game was that's almost right. slipping away. Are we going to see more of that? Because Nas is forcing his way onto the floor. I think obviously it's matchup dependent, but um, I mean, that'd be a ton of fun if we see some of that. Yeah, I think we were all kind of itching for it. Just want to see how it looked. They finally busted it out. Like you said, I'll go with Nas as well, just point Blake. But I think Ron's right. As far as expectations go preseason, I think Nas has really blown those expectations out of the water. All right, next one. Top highlight. This one's tough because you got about 1,600 Rudy Gobert dunks and alley-oops to choose from. Not to mention, of course, a handful of nasty ant highlight jams as well. But Ben, let's start with you. Yeah, I I have done I I wrote down in my notes any Carlton Towns to Rudy Lob. I'm a sucker for a, for a big big passing. 
Yeah. yeah, I, I, any, I'm a sucker for big, big passing. I think it's great. Um, there's, you know, there's some Conley Rudy ones in there. There's some slow mode of Rudy, but I think cat to Rudy, the chemistry, we saw a little bit of it last year before towns calf injury early in the season. And that, you know, towns is looking to make a great, make great passes like that. And I think for the most part, he's done a pretty good job of taking care of the basketball this year. And, uh, they've showed great chemistry. I think it's been fun to, to see Rod, Rudy get going and, and cat's been a big part of that. Yeah. That's been a lot of fun. Ron, what about you? What sticks out? Uh, well, I mean, come on now. You can go to the Pacers game. Uh, you can go to the Raptors game, Anthony Edwards, like I just, his, his ability just to take off. Um, I think that's been the key is just being able to see him take off, do what he's been doing. Uh, at any moment, he's a highlight, but I like his control as well, where he's not, you know, getting a lot of charges. Uh, I think that was the other thing guys with that ability to jump like that. Sometimes you worry about their recklessness. And uh, he's shown restraint. So, yeah, I got to go with Anthony Edwards dunks. Yeah, normally I would lean with Ben because it is so fun and exciting to see the two big men alley-oop and dunk. That is just so fun. But there's something about Ant when he just ex- – the explosion, the athleticism, the ferocity, just the tenacity when he dunks that ball. It's just on another level right now. So I'm going to go with Ant as well. All right, last one. Best quote. Does anyone have a, a vote for best quote thus far? I'll start. It's got to be Ant dubbing Mike Conley bite bite for apparently yeah. no rhyme or reason. Uh, and, and the fact that he's doing everything in his power to to make it stick just gets funnier and funnier with each passing day because apparently Conley claims he's never been called bite bite in his life. And it's just, he's just he praying. Like it's it. just a phase. Right. But yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that he doesn't kills like me. it. That, that's what I have done, too, because I, I think uh, it's just so funny that Ant, he's just like a like basically like a kid. Like, I'm just going to make this nickname up and, you know, Mike hates it, but I'm just going to I'm going to keep saying it so that they say it on the broadcast so that they say, you know, just the whole like the whole thing is is it's literally a, a bit about him calling him bite bite. And I just think it's hilarious. Um, so that has to be number one. We haven't gotten too many good postgame presser comments from Ant yet, but I'm sure as they, you know, as the year goes on, we'll we'll get more. Yeah. Ron. Uh, I'm gonna go with Anthony Edwards' offseason saying that he could play football. Like he, he he's really like that. he's really jumped into this mentality that he's one of the best athletes in the world. I think the other one too was they asked him who's the best player in the game, and he said himself because he can play both sides of the ball. Um, that as well. Like a guy that's willing to, to say I'm a two-way player. Uh, we haven't seen somebody really take that role on since Paul George in his prime. And as you watch Kawhi and Paul George, you can clearly tell age is starting to get to them. Injury is starting to get to them because they're not what they used to be. As far as lockdown defenders and top scorers, Anthony Edwards, he's now trying to take on that role of like the Paul George Kawhi that everybody's like, oh, man, this guy's going to shut somebody down and go score. Clay Thompson used to be that guy back in the day as well. You can tell his age and his speed is slowing down. So Anthony Edwards, like like trying to gain that like respect of, hey, I'm going to play on both sides of the ball. I'm not just a scorer. I'm going to play defense and lock whoever your best guy up. I really can take to that one. So that one as well, like a guy willing to admit I'm, I'm going to be the best, not because of my scoring, which I'm up there, but my defense too makes me one of the best players in the league. Yeah, love that. Glad you you shouted that one out because that one deserves some love as well. Uh, there you have it. Those are our in-season awards at the quarter mark. All right, before we get out of here, fellas, 30 seconds each. Spurs in town tonight. Quick thoughts, storylines you're looking for. Ben, kick us off. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, the Spurs have lost uh, 
14 straight, I believe. Um, 14 straight games. And so I, I think it's got to be about um, just playing. Like the Wolves just need to play within themselves. I kind of hope Ant doesn't play again tonight. Just give him the full, you know, 10 days off. Uh, the biggest keys for the Wolves are just contest threes. The Spurs shoot a ton of threes. They're a decent three-point shooting team. Um, just contest threes, defensive rebound, be patient offensively, and they should win this game easily. I think they're 12-point favorites over at FanDuel. So, um, you know, with or without Anthony Edwards, they should win this game. And uh, just stay within themselves, and uh, you know, don't don't revert to what they did last year against the league's worst teams. I, I was gonna say, I, I think it was like game three or four last year. They played the Spurs at home, monster line, monster spread, and I think they ended up losing that game. It was like yeah. a fifteen point spread. Ron, final word. What are you most excited about for tonight? Uh, just Wimby, just seeing more Wimby, uh, seeing his his progression, but also seeing how they handle him because he was considered quote unquote unguardable. And the fact that Rudy Gobert can take him when he goes down low, Cat can take him up top. You could put Nas Reed in there on him. Uh, you can put Jaden McDaniels, which he's probably not going to play. But they have a lot of like length in this defense that they can kind of slow down Wimby because I don't think one guy can guard him based off how he can play up top and down low. Now we're sacrificing the the, the Vikings to get a good Timberwolves team, uh, or maybe we sacrifice the Wild because this is the 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 the, the, the uh, hockey state of hockey. So maybe yeah. we're sacrificing the Wild to get a good Timberwolves team. Either way, I, I think that's more what because the Wilds suck right now, and I know normally they've been decent uh, and have a you know some top guys and still not be good at the fire coach. Maybe yeah, maybe we sacrifice the Wild to get a good Timberwolves team. I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah, you might be onto something there, Ron. There might be something actually tangible there. Love it. Well done. As always, fellas, Wemby in town tonight versus the Wolves, taking on the Spurs. Losers of 14 straight. That's tonight at the Target Center. Tip-off, 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Rest assured, I'll be there breaking it all down on tonight's T-Wolves postcast with my guy Tyler Metcalf. So come join us to talk some more Wolves as we recap each and every game. Same time, same place right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota channel. And if you haven't already, go check out Ben every day on the Lockdown Wolves podcast as well. For Ben Beacon, Ron Johnson, host of the Ron Johnson Show, Carol Evans' very own Reggie Wilson, I'm Luke Inman. Until next time, signing out. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.